want you to get your Bible. I want you to turn with me here in just a moment to Luke chapter 15, verse 32. I think everybody has something that they prize. Something that uh, is very important to them. Maybe, maybe this wouldn't amount to much to someone else, but it means a lot to you. I don't know if, you, if I'm communicating yet or not. Let me try to do so. By saying that there are some people put a lot of value in high-priced items, but 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 many of us uh, have much more have many more emotional ties to things that perhaps are not worth as much monetarily. Does that make sense? Um, just for instance. I, I, you know, not long ago, you know, both my parents passed away, July and September of this year. And it means more to me right now to have dad's pocket knife or mom's Bible than for somebody to walk up and hand me a bunch of money and say this was theirs. Now, does that make sense? It is much more tangible to you to have things that perhaps others wouldn't care so much for, they might toss them to the side, but to you they mean a lot. It's not just about material possessions. These, there are so many things that we could be emotionally tied to. Things mean more to those who work really hard to get them. Any of you that ever grew up without having a lot of money, you know whenever you did have anything, you took good care of it. I was never one of those kids that I, I lived by some of those kids out in California that would take their hot wheel cars and a hammer and sit out by the curb and just hit their cars with a hammer just to watch the wheels fly off. And I thought, how stupid is that? I mean, I'm, all of mine look like they just come out of the box. And you know, I mean, if you had something, you really prized that you took such care of it because you worked hard to get it. I, I remember one time we were living over at Berryville, and uh, in the front yard there was a there was a fence out by the road, and there was a bunch of ivy that had grown all over that fence. And I was out there one day. I was probably about five years old, and I played by myself a lot because I had two sisters, and they were older, and they didn't care about the things I cared about for whatever reason. And if they couldn't talk me into playing tea parties, and I was usually playing by myself. So I remember one day I was out there in the yard and I had a baseball. And man, I loved that baseball. It was the only baseball I had. And I was playing with that baseball and I hit it with the bat and it went in that ivy. And I stood there for a minute and I thought, tried really hard to visualize just where did it go in. And I stood there and I thought and I looked. And then I walked over to the ivy and I started pulling through it and trying to find it. And I looked and I looked and I looked. And I was becoming desperate because I couldn't find that baseball. And I didn't have another baseball. And baseballs were hard to come by. Somebody say amen. And if I was to go in and say, I've lost my baseball. Well, why did you do that? Well, it's not like I did it on purpose. But who's going to believe a five-year-old? I mean, all I did was just hit it with a bat. And I can't help where it went. At least it didn't go through the car window. I did that with a rock one time. That's another story. So I stood there and I began to panic. I thought, what am I going to do? I don't have any money. I can't get another baseball. 
what am I going to do? And I remembered the Sunday school stories about how Jesus loved us and that we could pray to him and he would help us in times of need. And I began to pray. And I said, Jesus, I don't have another baseball. I need your help. Would you help me find this baseball? And I stood there for a minute and I walked over there and I peeled through the ivy and there was my baseball and I picked it up. And it was a great lesson for me in how that God answers prayer, even though that might not seem like a big deal to you. You say, well, you just got lucky. I mean, you know, you just finally walked over to the spot where it was. Well, it was a big deal. I'd been looking for a long time, but I found that baseball and it meant so much to me to be able to find that. Maybe some of y'all have done the same kind of things in your life. You've lost something that was really, really important and you couldn't figure out where it was. Then you would be able to identify with the stories we're going to talk about today. Stories about three items that were lost. And Jesus talks about those items. Before I get into that text, though, I want to give you the definition of the word lost. It's it, it's it's kind of a the, the first definition of the word lost when I when I first looked this up, it, it, it kind of threw me off because I had in my mind what lost meant to me. Lost meant something that is lost that I'm looking for. But I never thought about this particular definition. The very first definition of the word lost is this something that is unable to be found. That takes on a different connotation, doesn't it? Now, all of a sudden, it is something that wants to be found but can't. Rather than something that I have lost and I'm trying to find. Hmm. Something that's unable to be found. And then it goes on. It says, or not knowing where you are. Some of us have been lost that way. Or how to get where you want to go. Or unable to find your way. Those are all definitions of lostness. But this first one really intrigued me something that is unable to be found it wants to be but don't know how it has found itself in the ivy doesn't know how it got there and cannot figure out the way for someone to find it Hmm. i could tell this story about my grandpa because he's not here today Grandpa operated what I call a feline relocation ministry for the span of between 20 and 30 years. The way this ministry worked was he was in the process of taking cats from where they presently resided and taking them to a new location. Not necessarily a better location, just a different location. And all the cat had to do to qualify for his ministry was live somewhere in his neighborhood around his house. That's all it took. He told me, he said, son, if you ever decide to do this, make sure you tape the box or the gunny sack up real tight. Because he said, if they can see out, they'll come back. I've made some folks really upset talking bad about these cats. I'm allergic to cats. Did you know that? If you invite me over to your house, I'll know within 10 minutes whether or not you have a cat. I'll start seizing up, can't breathe, eyes be watering, nose running. I won't ever have to see the cat. I'll just know. 
it's not so much that I don't like them, but they're rough on me. And it's funny to me because cats like me for whatever reason. I mean, they'll walk. I think maybe they know that I'm allergic to them and I don't want them around me. So they walk up and they say, guess what? There's nothing you can do about this. My owner's standing there watching and I'm just going to rub all over your leg. What you going to do? You in my house. And because of my, I don't know, my uh, like, I guess, of cats, I thought that grandpa's ministry was kind of funny. It was kind of funny to me. Perhaps it might not have been to the cats when they got out of the box and didn't know where they were. Maybe it wasn't so funny to the people when they couldn't find their cat, but He told me, he said, son, every once in a while, someone would walk up to me and say, Mr. Rogers, have you seen my cat? And I would say, well, not lately. I wonder this question, why is it when we get lost that we drive faster? Does anybody else do that or is it just me? When I get lost, Deb says, why don't you stop and ask somebody? My response to that is just push the get pedal down. Just push the pedal down. It's as if that I think that, that by going faster, I'll somehow get out of this predicament. I don't know where I'm going. I don't even know if I'm going the right direction. But if I just go faster, at least I'll leave this particular spot of lostness. I might be loster where I'm going, but at least I won't be in this spot. You ever notice that? Maybe you've never really paid attention. Next time you get lost, try that. See what, see, if, see if you think I'm telling you the truth. You wives, because the husband usually one that does this, and when this happens, when he gets lost, just see if he starts going faster. Being lost is frightening, isn't it? Losing something is painful. You wonder when you're in that state, does God know how I feel? Turns out he does. That's why we have this text today of Luke 15, verse 32. It says, but we have something to celebrate. Something to be happy about. This brother of yours was dead, but he came back to life. He was lost, but he's been found. That verse is the conclusion of a conversation that Jesus was having with a bunch of sinners and tax collectors. He wasn't at church. And it's a story about lost things. Lost sheep, lost coins, and a lost son. I believe that more attention is given to the lost son because he's a person, not an inanimate object. And so that story is a little longer than the first two. The lost son is known as the prodigal. But did you know that prodigal doesn't mean lost? Did you know that? You know what prodigal means? It's descriptive of his behavior and his character. It's not at all about where he's at. Prodigal means reckless, wasteful, and extravagant in a bad way. The prodigal son. This is a son that came in to his dad and he demanded an inheritance from a dad that wasn't even dead yet. How would that make you feel? 
Your kid comes in and says, I know you're not gone yet, but I wish you were. Because if you were, I'd already have your money. And since you're not, I'll take half of it anyway, to which he's not even going to get when dad died. Because in their culture and customs, this son wouldn't have received the lion's share. The older son would have received more than the rest. So here's a son that comes in and he, he is demanding something that is not even his. In fact, he's demanding half of the inheritance, half of all that the father will someday split between his children, which says to the other son, you're getting some of mine right now and he's not even dead. He's demanding, he's disrespecting, and he's devaluing the family and the customs of his culture. But the dad allows it. So off he goes, wasting the whole amount, the Bible calls it, on riotous living. Surely none of you all ever lived riotously. Are there any riotous livers here? People who used to live a riotous life, do you know what a riotous life is? Oh, if you've ever lived it, you know what it is. It's the kind where you wake up one day and you can't figure out where everything went and how you got in this spot and where did all the money go and where did all your family go and where did all the friends go and where did your job go and where did your life go and all you have is a bottle. Your friends are gone, everybody's gone, the money's gone. A riotous life doesn't leave you anything. Amazing how so many people can't just can't wait to get on with living a riotous life because they have no idea what the wages of sin are. It says the Bible says the wages of sin are death. A riotous life puts you just at the spot before the wage of death. And finally, on his lowest most desperate point, he remembers home. He remembers his dad. He remembers food and he humbles himself and he comes home and dad is thrilled. The big brother's disgusted, isn't he? And the dad's right in the middle of throwing the little brother a party and he's giving him new clothes. He's giving him a ring. The ring says you're back in the family. Just like that. It's just that easy. Put the ring back on your finger. You're home. You're back in the family. Big brother won't even come in the house. He's furious. This kid's been running around with prostitutes and now he comes home and dad's treating him like he's the prince of Persia. New robe. Ring. But the son has found his way home and the dad has found his missing son. And so the dad goes outside and he finds big brother And what does he say to big brother? The words of this text. Big brother's outside fuming and dad comes up to him and he says, we have something to celebrate. We have something to be happy about. This brother of yours was dead, but he came back to life. He was lost, but he's been found. The story is God's way of communicating to us how it feels to him 
to have some of his children lost. Unable to be found. You immediately, when you look at the story or think about the story, even hear it taught or preached, think about the lostness of an individual who doesn't know Jesus. That's the first thing that comes to mind, and it's by far the most important thing that comes to mind. It's paramount above everything else. It's the reason for the cross. It's the reason for the Word. It's the reason for the Holy Spirit. It's the reason for everything is because God wants that lost one to come to Him. And if you're that person that don't know Him, praise the Lord for, for one or two already this morning that have lifted hands and prayed prayer to receive him as their savior but there might even be others the good news is you don't have to leave here lost you can be found you're in a place of being found and it's not about a building it's about a place of the holy spirit being there speaking to you convicting you and bringing you home you don't have to leave the way you came but you can leave differently that's the story of the word it's an exciting thing to know that no matter what state of lostness, even if you've riotously lived to the place that you're close to death, perhaps physically, there's still always hope for you and you can always come home and you can always be found. Great news. But I want to take this word a little further. Because many of you are in a lost place not spiritually you know the lord you're living for god you're in his house you're reading his word but due to tragedy or circumstance something has happened in your life perhaps causing heartbreak maybe you're experiencing this great loss in your life or just because of what happened, now you feel lost. And it's strange to you because you're saying, but I know Jesus, how can I be feeling so lost? I I mean, I know the Lord and I have a deep-seated joy. How is it that I just feel like I'm in a daze? I'm just in a fog. I'm in a funk and I don't know how to get out of it. I am in a lost place. Even though I know Jesus I feel like right now I'm unable to be found. I feel like a baseball in the ivy. Waiting for somebody to come and get me out. Because I can't get out. I don't know how I got here. Don't know why God let me get here. I belong to Him. I don't know how in the world I ended up in this spot. But I'm in this place of lostness and I don't know how to recover. God understands loss. In regards to those three illustrations, let me just let me share something with you very quickly. I looked back at the story of the lost sheep, coin and son and I just wanted to break them down to the most basic transcultural truths. What what could each one of those be boiled down to per each one so that in its context, all three, what would it be that God was saying to us about lostness? And I think I know what it is. In the story of the lost sheep, God goes after. In the story of the lost coin, God looks for until... And in the story of the lost son, 
God rejoices when he comes back. And so you have this picture of God when it comes to lostness in our life, whether it be spiritual lostness or just a place that we have found ourselves, a season that we have found ourselves. What we're able to know from these transcultural truths is that whenever I find myself in a place where I feel lost, I know that God is going to come after me. And he's going to keep looking until he finds me. And he's going to rejoice when I get back to where I was or where I should be. This is what I need to know about my heavenly father, that he doesn't like the place I'm in, though he may have allowed it. It may be something necessary to my growth and maturity, but I'm so thankful to know that when I'm there and I'm in the fog and I'm in the days and I'm in the ivy and I don't know how I got here and I certainly don't know how to get out of it. It's so gratifying to me to know that God is going to come after me. I'm not going to just stay here in this lost space. He's going to look for me until, and he's going to rejoice when I am healed. So in order to be saved spiritually, there's not a whole lot that you have to do. The word tells us if you want to be saved, if you want to, to give your heart to Jesus, all you have to do is believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, and accept that salvation. That's how easy it is. But what do you do if you're the person who's like the baseball in the ivy? How do you get out of that spot? Does the same apply? Can I, did I get here because I sinned? Do I need to repent? Do I need, it's not the same. All of a sudden, it's not quite the same because you might not be in the ivy based on something you did wrong. You might be there because of what happened to you that you couldn't control. Am I making sense? Got anybody's attention yet? Hmm. What am I going to do now? And man, I I saw it and I prayed because I so badly wanted to be able to offer you a list of write these things down. If you'll do these, you'll get found. You feel unable to be found, do these things and you'll get out of the eye. Man, I just really, I wanted to write that. It'd be a great book, wouldn't it? I could make some money if I could write that book to all the people that are, that find themselves in a lost place. And I could just say to them, well, hey, just do these five things and it'll be good. But I don't have them. Instead, I have to resort back to the word and I have to go back to the word and it's in its entirety, that's context from the front to the back. And I say, God, what are the principles that you give to me that I'm to live by when things are good and when things are bad? Those same principles will apply throughout all of my life, whether I'm in the good place or the bad place. Whether everything is great or, man, if I'm really struggling, they're going to be the same principles. What do I need to do, God? What do I need to do? I wanted him to say, do this and then, and then you'll be found. But it's not that. Instead, here's what I have. And you can write these down. They won't be on the screen. You just write them down if you want them. To get found, first of all, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. When? I don't know. All I know is I can boil that verse down to say trust. I have to trust when I'm in this place just like I need to trust when I'm in the good place. The second thing that I think we're going to have to do right here is believe. We have to believe 
that God wants the best for us. We have to believe that somehow good is going to come from this, that somehow this must be a part of his plan. Because I am a righteous person and my steps are ordered, I have to believe that God is working all this out for his good. Then thirdly, I have to hope. My hope is in Jesus Christ and righteousness. And and there's not anything else, but my hope is in the Lord. And then the fourth thing I have to do, and this is a fun one too, is wait. Then I wait on the Lord. I hate learning to wait. I hate waiting. Don't you? I don't want somebody to tell me, when I'm sick and I finally break down and go to the doctor, come in here and wait. And when you get done in this waiting room, come and sit and wait in this one. And you go from waiting room to waiting room until finally to where the doctor is. Wait on the Lord. And the last one is pray. And so I looked at that and I said, okay, it looks to me like what I need to do is I need to trust in, believe on, hope with, wait for, and pray to the Lord. For how long, Pastor? Write this word down and circle it. Until. Until is a fun word. How long will I be in this situation, Pastor? Until. Until what? Till it's over. Isn't that comforting? What do I do? I'm a, I'm a baseball in the ivy. What do you want me to do? I want you to trust, believe, hope, wait, and pray until you are found. By the God who says, he's going to keep coming after you. He's going to find you. He's going to keep looking until you're found. And he's going to rejoice when you get back. You have all that. So, so while you're in that place of lostness, there you reside with the words of wait and all those good things. But until... I am here until, but I won't always be here. I'll only be here until I am the object that is found by God. I am unable to be found right now. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I'm going to get out of here, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be here and do these five things until it's over. Hmm. So what do I do right now? Well, here's the good news of the story, because that's not really the good news, is it? I mean, that gives you instruction about what to do, doesn't it? I'm going to cling to until. I'm going to cling to until. I'm going to trust, believe, hope, wait, pray until. But what do I, what am I going to do? I mean, what right now? Right now, what you got for me, preacher, that's going to help me to be able to survive because it's dark in here in this ivy batch.
Now I'm going to point you back to the passage of Scripture that we read, just one verse, because what's so amazing about that verse is it lays out all of this for us. It lays out for us something that we have. That even when we're in a lost place, this thing that we have gets us through until. Ready? Here's what he says. Even in spite of the fact that you're in a lost place, that verse says, number one, we have something to celebrate. That's what dad told the son. We have something to celebrate. Now, son wasn't in a celebrating mood, was he? He's not in a partying mood. Everybody else, is, they've done kill the fatted calf. I mean, they're having a party, and he's not having a party. He's outside, and he's sulking, he's mad, and he's upset. And the dad says, hey, listen, buddy, you need to come on in the house. You might as well. We have something to celebrate. Even in the midst of how you feel today, even if you're sick, even if you're down, even if you're discouraged, even if you're depressed, even if you're broke, you still have something to celebrate. We have something to celebrate. What do we have to celebrate? Well, why don't you stop for a minute and think? Just think about what the Word says to you. This is what you could celebrate. Even in this place of discouragement, this is what you have to celebrate. God loves you. God forgives you. God heals you. God calls you His own. God fills you with His Spirit. God treats you like a prince or a princess. God calls you to work for Him. God equips you to do it. God leads you. God guides you. He directs you. He answers your prayers. And all of this, on and on and on, until someday He's actually going to come and get you and take you to heaven. It's all good. We have something to celebrate. Hmm. And then He said... We have something to be happy about. What? Well, in the midst of anything that's happening in your life, God has given you, because you're his child, a deep-seated joy and peace that is impossible for the devil to eradicate. Regardless of, of what you've lost, regardless of what you've been diagnosed with, regardless of how you've been abandoned, the Bible teaches us that our Father in Heaven is never going to leave us. He's never going to turn His back on us. He's never going to give up on us. He's going to be with us through all the difficulties and all the pain and all the hardship and all the troubles in our life that we experience. And we understand that it's going to rain on us just like it does on the unjust. It has to rain in order for there to be anything that would grow. There's got to be rain or else there won't be any growth. We understand it's going to rain no matter what. But we have something to be happy about anyway, no matter what comes our way, because our Father will keep us and bring us safely home. We have something to be happy about. And thirdly, we have been found and given eternal life. So what if you lose all of your earthly possessions? Wouldn't that be a drag if you did? But what if you do? What if the people that you love turn their back on you? Well, Jesus never will. What if your loved ones pass away? What if your friends betray you? What if you can't 
come up with enough money to pay your bills and the bills keep coming in? What if the doctor tells you that your body's wearing out? What if the mirror says you look old? What if your dog and your wife and your truck all decide to rebel against you and your story is perfect for the lyrics of a country and western song? What if, like me, the older you get, you get shorter and thicker and more follically challenged? So what? Even... If all that that we just said happens and more, the good news is we've still been found by our Father. And we've still been given eternal life. And nothing or no circumstance or no devil in hell can take that from us. We have something. And it's worth far more than any possession. I I was reading a story about John Wesley. Whenever he learned that his house had been destroyed by fire, he made this statement. He said, well, it was the Lord's house that burned. That's just one less responsibility for me. It'd be a great attitude to have, but I'm going to tell you something. It'd be very, very difficult to have that attitude, wouldn't it? We know what it's like when our church burned. Can't imagine what it'd been like if it'd been our own personal house. But yet we've got to become, we have to come to the place where we view all of the things in our life as just things that God blesses us with for a short short time because they really don't matter in the scope of everything. They just don't matter. We have something that's far, far more important and valuable than these things that we wear and we drive and we live in. We have a Father that loves us and has given us eternal life. So I go back to that state of lostness. There's that, there is that sheep that is unable to be found. But God is going to come after it. And the coin that is up underneath the furniture. But God is going to keep looking. And that son that's come home. And God is going to rejoice because the person in the state of lostness has returned to a place of having been found. Or at least to a place of I'm okay with being in the ivy until because of what I know. It takes that story to a whole new level, at least for me. We're not lost. We're not we're never lost. We're always loved. And we always have something to celebrate and be happy about. We've been found regardless of what circumstance are going on in our life. We've been ultimately found and we're not ever going to be lost. And heaven is just in the other room. I don't know if you ever thought about it that way or not. But that's where all those people that you love that have gone on, that's where they are. They're not way off there someplace. They're in the next room. There's a room you're going to go in. When you walk out of this one, you'll walk right into this, step out of one door, right into the next one. They're in the next room. God says, I'm with you now, and I will take you there then. We have something, folks. We have something to be happy about. We have something to celebrate. Even if we're going through a difficult time, I want you to stand to your feet, and I want you just to 
bow your heads with me just for a moment in reverence. I hope you'll stay with me for just a minute. I don't want to be distracted by people getting up and walking out. I, I want you to wait just for a minute and disrespect the anointing that's in this house and respect this moment for someone else that might be getting a chance to respond. So please, if you would, hold on just a few minutes here before there's a lot of movement. But I'd rather that you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a minute. A lot of times here I call the prayer team, but I'm not going to do that today. I just, I want to open the altar up to individuals because I don't really think that at this point that this is a type situation where that we need someone to lay hands on us and pray for us as much as we need to acknowledge a word and we need to come into the Lord's presence and just let him touch us today. And that's what I'm going to ask him to do. I'm going to allow you or ask you if you would to respond to the word and then just throw your hands up and then I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit if he'd just get with you. Holy Spirit, just get with them. Just encourage them today. Just give them strength with the word until. Make us okay with until. That'd be a good title for a message, wouldn't it? Make us okay with until. If that's you, and you're that person and you find yourself in that daze or that fog, you just, you're the baseball in the ivy and you, you don't know how you got here and you just feel like you're unable to be found. You know Jesus, but man, it's just, you're just really going through some tough times and you really just need his encouragement and you just need to sense his presence this morning, to say to you whatever he wants to say, then I just want you to get out of your seat and come down here very quickly. Whoever I'm talking to, very quickly, just come down and stand across the front just in this area. Just fill this area up. Come forward if you can. Make room because there's probably going to be several people, I would imagine. Some of you really can't figure out how you got here. You've tried. You've really thought about it and tried. It wasn't by poor decisions or mistakes or sin or any of that. It, you don't know. You really don't know. That's what's really so hurtful. It's why you've spent so much time questioning the Lord. God, I really don't know. What did I do? I mean, how did I get, how did I get here? Lord, I pray right now for these folks. I want everybody in this room to extend your hand toward these that are in the altar. We're just believing for them right now. We're believing for healing and we're believing for direction and for help and strength right now. We're believing that God is getting ready to, 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 to encourage. God's going to make us okay with until by the promises of his word that he loves us and he's coming after us and we have something to celebrate even in the midst of this. But we're, we're praying for you. Extend your hand this way. God, I ask now, let your Holy Spirit just begin to rain down. Just begin to rain down. Lord, we, there's a lot of things we need up here. We need healing. We need guidance. We need direction. We need help. 
We need all those things. But we've told you, you know all that, Lord. Right now, what we're doing is we're just standing in your presence in that state of until. I am somehow finding a way to be okay with until. Do whatever you got to do in my heart and my life, Lord, right now to make me okay with until. I thank you for your words of encouragement, Lord. I thank you for your word. I'm going to continue to seek you. I'm going to continue to love you. I'm going to continue to serve you. I'm going to walk with you, Lord, no matter what. But God, would you give me help and grace? Guard my mind and my heart in this season of lostness. God, help me not to feel alone. Help me not to feel betrayed. But help me to sense your presence with me in this. Because I can do anything if you're with me, Lord. I can, I can last. I can make it. I can do this. I, I can go through this if I know you're with me. Holy Spirit, let your presence fill this house. Just begin, Lord, just begin to rain down your presence, your anointing. Rest, I pray, rest for these. I pray for clarity of mind. I pray for a good attitude that we will be able to help us to be positive through this season. So that we won't miss what you're doing. Oh God, I pray that when this season is over, that we'll be better. Use this season in my life, Lord, to make me better. To change me to be more in the image of your son, Jesus. When this is over, Lord, let me come out of this more like him. 